Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench podcast. This is Brendan Sinone, and I have a very, very special guest. Before I say his name, just just say like a catchphrase or shout into the mic or anything to see if people can guess who it is. Hashtag big. (laughs) (laughs) That is Trey Rowland of the Rollcast. Trey, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Brendan, and thank you for thinking that people – listen enough to my podcast to know one of my signature quote unquote catchphrases. So that is fun. I am very honored to be here and it's going to be, it's going to be a good one, buddy. I feel good about it. We got good energy already. Yeah. Well, your energy is lifting up my anxiety and it's going to create this really cool, like whirlpool of, of something. I don't know what yet, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> I think that I think the product here and, uh, and so for, for the podcast today, what we're going to kind of focus on one is going to be Trey because, you know, we have to have some, some ball washing if, if a guest is on and, and, and make oh, it worth oh, his while. Easy ball washing. I yeah. I've washed for quite I'm a while. Gonna, okay. <laughs> I have to mark it down. I probably need to edit myself out there like 10 seconds in. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, yeah, but, but what we've been doing is like this, you know, my top 40, you know, the 40 most important, I always call it, Trey, I always call it the, on the podcast, the 40 or the top 40 most important. It's a little redundant, but the actual title is the 40 most important uh, FSU players. And that's for this upcoming season. We've had Chris kind of pick it apart a little bit, but he's really kind of just abandoned me with this whole baseball deal. Uh, So you're like the plan B here, I guess is what I'm saying. No offense. Oh no, no, none taken. Second choice is good. I, I, I consider myself to be more of a fourth, fifth choice. So it's nice to see that I'm coming up in the world, Brendan. No offense. No offense taken whatsoever. I can't wait to uh, to crap on your list in my own special way. Good. I'm very insecure about it too. So it, just I so the audience surprised to hear insecurity <laughs> is a part of the uh, equation. All right. So before we get yeah, this is true. Before we get into the list, uh, so you guys, like, Trace, like taking time out from his lunch break right now. So like, here's like hoping I don't get him fired by by doing this. Are you like, are you calling like from like your car or listening to my sultry tones from the front seat of a fully loaded 2013 Kia Sportage? So Ooh. only the best for Knowles 24/7 in the parking what? lot. What, what, uh, what car do you think I would drive just based on listening to the podcast and kind of having an idea of my general personality? What, what would make the most sense to you? I feel like it's a car that you got like early in high school that you like kept too long and you're like driving it till it like falls apart. So I feel like you're like like an old Chevy Malibu guy or maybe like a Honda Prelude or something. You're from Orlando, right? Yes. So I feel like you were probably into like like low level car tuning when you were in high school. So I feel like you have like a Honda Civic with like a dumb spoiler on it or something. Damn, it's really really close. It's a 2005 Toyota Corolla. <laughs> oh my god, yes, fourteen year old Corolla. Perfect. <laughs> it's got two hundred fifty thousand miles on it. It's still going, but there's no spoiler on. I couldn't do shit up quite that much. I couldn't bring myself to That's do okay. it. Okay. Uh, how many paint- how many thousands of miles, Brendan? 250,000 and and it's still it's still going i got you pegged you nerd i got you pegged so hard phenomenal here's just a little quick spoiler for you too i have a second car i call it the grampy tank it's uh my wife's grandpa passed away and and we got the car it's a 2003 (laughs) grand marquee and that bad boy is awesome and it has like bumper stickers on it that say like fsu granddad (laughs) stuff too yeah, so I have I have two. Both the uh, the combined age of the two of them are almost thirty years old, older than me. Not bad. 
Not wow. bad, dude. That Grand Marquis, that's like a land boat. Those things are, what a phenomenal piece of American engineering a Mercury Grand Marquis is. It's like you're driving a couch on the highway. Uh, it's really, really, it's really luxurious. Uh, and, and I feel pretty cool in it. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's definitely the coolest car I own, which again, isn't saying a whole lot based on the 2005. Well, Good for you, Brendan. I, I, only had a, I only had suspicions, but now you've confirmed that you are living the dream. And I'm happy for you. <laughs> All right. So I want to do some of the, the bee washing because I, I don't want to edit myself again. Some of the BW in here with you. Uh, let's let's plug your show, what you got going on with the Rollcast. And uh, and I guess why why did you start a podcast about about Florida State football and a, a bunch of other things too, wrestling, other stuff? Yeah, just everything that interests me. Uh, honestly, man, so I, I've I've loved podcasts forever i listen to them all the time i'm doing dishes i'm feeding my son cheerios i've got the buds in. i'm listening to podcasts a lot of times on the bench 24 7 yeah, so good my good wife hey yeah, yeah man yeah you scratch mine i'll scratch yours <laughs> um so my wife literally knows this about me and i've always talked about like man i really like start a podcast but just in that way of like like some man is stopping me like i want to start a podcast but the man is holding me down <laughs> Which in reality, I'm just too lazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some, you know, I, and I've always been a huge Florida State uh, sports fan. I do a little writing for Tomahawk Nation, just you know, contributing stuff, fun stuff here and there. So for Christmas, man, she surprised me with a microphone, awesome. and uh, I just went. I went down to the Iowa basement, and I was like, number one, I don't expect anybody to care what I say or anybody outside of my immediate family to listen. But number two. If I am going to spend my time jabbering into this microphone in my basement, um, I need to have something different to say because I'll never be more informed than any of you guys. You, Josh, Chris, Bud Elliott, all those dudes. I'm not going to be more informed. Um, so I can't do like a Knowles 24-7 light or like a version 2.0. So I have to do something different. So I wanted to focus on, I still have all the information. Uh, but I wanted to have some entertainment and just, I was like, okay, let's see where it goes. Throw it up into the cloud, see who bites. <laughs> and, uh, the response has been so stupid, dude. I've been doing it for six months. Uh, Josh, your compatriot, Josh Newberg. Uh, he was a fan like at the beginning, very mm-hmm. encouraging Ingram Smith from the Knoll house is encouraging. So I had those guys on as guests. Then I started to get some former players with, uh, Greg Reed was on. God, is he a cool dude, man? Yeah. We talked about the time where he like cold-bloodedly murdered Marcus Lattimore. <laughs> uh, Greg surprisingly says he didn't think he hit him that well. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> like, like even I, at the moment I, yeah, or in I, hindsight? No, he goes. I mean, I could have hit him harder. I go, dude. If you would have killed him harder, he'd be dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's those Valdez to guys rule. <laughs> Takes yeah, a lot to impress him. That was awesome. Hey, can that's I give you a Greg Reed story game. real quick? Yeah, dude, it's your show. You can do whatever you want. Well, I want to, I mean, you're my guest. I want to be polite as well, at least uh, occasionally. Uh, It was back in 2014. It was FSU's second trip to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, so it was before the Oregon game. And uh, we'll we'll try to forget the Oregon game. But the actual, the day Mm -hmm. before was New Year's Eve. Yeah, it was New Year's Eve. And I went out to a bar. It was a hotel bar with Corey Clark and Irish Chauffel for more chant. Uh, and I'm trying to think if yeah. there's anyone else with us. There's a there's a handful of us, if I recall correctly. Anyways, we see Telvin Smith and Greg Reed at the bar, just kind of chilling. And it was and I didn't awesome. never covered Greg Reed. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I didn't cover Greg. 
uh, he was gone before I arrived on the beat. But uh, but Telvin saw us right away and came and gave us all hugs and really warm. And it was nice to see him. And we talked for a few minutes. Then, dude, Suge Knight comes in, right? Suge Knight comes whoa, in. Whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't like a metaphor. This is like Suge Knight. I, like, hung, like, easy over a ledge to make him sign his contract, like, Suge Knight, right? I mean, I, I'm really white, so, like, I wouldn't know what Suge Knight looks like, like, from, you know, 20 years past his prime. But, yeah, it was – everyone said it was Suge Knight, and I'm inclined to believe him, and I kind of know what Suge Knight looks like. And I was like, yeah, I mean, not sure. For the story, we're going to say it was definitively Suge Knight, okay? Uh, and, okay, and everyone's just kind of, like, staring at him, like, oh, my God, it's Suge Knight. And Greg Reed – and, again, like, Valdosta's got some tough areas, right? Uh, and, and Greg Reed kind of looks at everyone and goes, that's Suge Knight. He's like, he's seen some shit, man. And I was like, damn, I'm like, Gre- like Greg Reed is impressed by Suge Knight uh, and, and his street cred. So that was my Greg Reed story. So anyways, continue. Uh, here's more more BW for you, Trey. Uh, the the podcast has taken off and it's it's been really cool, man. Um, did did you expect like to to get this? Like now that you have this following and you have like you, did you have as, almost, almost as many reviews and likes on iTunes? I checked before because I'm very competitive as as we do. Oh, and it's no. all been grassroots. It's so cool, dude. I, 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 am not kidding, man. Like it was a joke, but I didn't expect like maybe like con my aunt and like uncle and my wife possibly like to listen to this. So I, I can't believe it. I think it's just something different. It's an alternative. The Florida state fan base is really passionate. They're really supportive too. Uh, they're also very fiery, which I'm sure we're going to discuss. It seems like yes. you caught their ire. So right now, uh, <laughs> Your boy's in the honeymoon phase, so just drop a couple pro wrestling references, have some old Florida State legends on, continue to try to be as funny as possible, and it's been cool. It's, I'm, I'm so supportive of everybody. I mean, I'm just thankful. I'm more thankful and shocked than anything, so I'm still in that phase. And no, just no idea that it was going to go the way it's gone. And, and I will say this to to on the bench audience like if you guys aren't listening to it like check it out and and trey is so unique like it may be for you it may not be for you it's totally worth your time though because it is so different than anything else that's out there like that's when so trey when i like started the podcast and back when we were the Knowles 24 7 podcast it was like almost two years ago it was just because we had a bunch of fans asking for it. like we didn't have a microphone we just recorded on on the computer and it was the audio quality was terrible it's still not very good but it's slightly <laughs> better now uh those who listen to the podcast know that i'm always really really paranoid about the mediocre <laughs> audio quality but uh but you know when we did it, it was like i wanted it to be something fun that was a little different and not so buttoned up because you know there are other podcasts like that out there and they already have a really big following so you have to be different dude you've taken it to another level uh and and you have fun which is cool so like i would implore like our our listenership like if you're not listening i assume there's a lot of crossover if not check out trey uh, he's bringing on a lot of cool guests he just had uh, uh oh god i'm uh, travis uh, travis johnson on to talk about the the recent twitter beef and uh and maybe man that's where we can get into now uh sure. with uh, with this fan base because so there was a Twitter beef. You, Josh, and I talked about it on the podcast. You went really in depth with it, but it was started with a Levante Taylor tweet, and then went into just uh, it was. You know, let's. I'm trying to think. Antonio Cromartie hopped in, and Jacoby McDaniel hopped in. Uh, Travis everybody, hopped in. The whole crew, yeah, bro. Yeah. Deion, Deion Sanders comes just jumping from the from the top turnbuckle to uh, to finish it off too. Like it was crazy. Um, 
but but I feel like it was fueled and, and added like to me, and this is where I want to get your thoughts as someone who who really speaks for for at least a fraction of this uh, fraction of this fan base. Like like it fueled a lot of I think insecurity of of people wondering like what's going on chemistry wise with the program. Uh, and at, at this point in your time being an FSU fan, is this the most kind of ornery and uptight the fan base has been? Because to me, I see it a lot. I know this has been a really long summer. It's going to be and continue to be a long one for you and your perspective. Like, is this a, a low for the fan base? Has it been lower before? It, it just to me, again, this me say like I, it, ornery uh, seems like it's it, everyone's on edge these days, I guess. Well, there's no. Yeah. Because you're literally, there's no frame of reference for a five-win season because 90% of the fan base has never seen it. It hasn't happened. So you've got the worst historical results most have ever seen, coupled with the megaphone of social media that even when they sucked in like 1971, you couldn't, you couldn't go out and blast gifts and talk <laughs> crap about the players where they could actually see it on Twitter. So yeah, it's a... It's a it's a it's a it's a bad combination for the fan base. However, been saying that this type of stuff happens when programs are facing tough years all the time. And like Jonathan Vilma was like feuding with Miami players a couple years ago. And yeah, it was like pick, pick me or something. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so it happens. So it's not a unique phenomenon. It's probably the worst it's ever been at Florida state. It's because we've been, we've been pretty damn good the past couple years. So mm-hmm. everybody's on edge. Uh, when I talked to Travis, who is a cool dude, by the way, solid guy, I can read between the lines and I don't think he's the biggest fan of the regime. Maybe not all the regime. And it, he has, it, you know, it, did, it, it came across as such for sure. Yeah. He definitely did. I agree. Yeah. With he, he definitely. Was yeah. Biting his tongue a little. And his, uh, his opinions are different than mine, but I, when people come on my podcast, I just, it's an open forum, dude, say whatever you want. And I always try to get the most open, honest answers out of people, but it's coming from a place of caring. So from, and I think the reason why everybody was so caught off guard by the Twitter thing, because if you remember at this time last year, one of the big pros of Willie Taggart was how many of the old Noel alumni that he brought in how much right. of a family feeling he was fostering. There was a bajillion dudes at the Virginia tech game. Travis Johnson himself was at Florida state last summer in spring, like helping out and coaching with Odell. Like in his defense, I take his, um, his commentary on what it's like to help out at the program a little bit more seriously than somebody like Cromartie, not because of the level of their play and how, no, how, how, how much they bled garnet gold <laughs> or whatever that cliche crap is because Travis has shown up for the past like seven years that he's really tight with Odell Hagan. Right. But uh, it's just, you, you never know. Cause it feels like Willie did a really good job of getting the legends in his fold, right? You got neon Dion coming off the top rope, engaging in FSU stuff for Twitter, where it almost seemed for a bunch of years, he could have nothing to do with the program. Charlie Ward's at campus every day. Derek Brooks is in his corner. Peter Warwick is at everything. All the so, time. So you don't, you never want to discount the opinion of somebody like an Antonio Cromartie, Travis Johnson, Jacoby McDaniel, et cetera, et cetera. But you also have to have the perspective to see that their experience isn't the full story. So it's an ordinary fan base dealing with just a, an awful year on the football field last year, amplified by social media 
And then just also the shock factor of like, oh, the former players are, don't like Willie Taggart? I thought they did. So it's all that rolled into one, and then it also all this stuff happened in the offseason. So that <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> else going on, man. So it, it's just a recipe for just a, just a, just a shit sandwich. And and that's where mm, tasty. So that's where like I, when yeah. I spoke with with Josh about this on on our episode. What was it, on Monday? I can't remember. All the days are blurring together to me in the off season. Like it's all just one collective day. But we uh, right. we were talking about this, and and to me, like the only really remedy is like like this is all going to continue. Maybe not to that level of like public drama, but just that uneasiness, that tension with with a. Uh, I don't want to call it a vocal minority of the fan base because I think it's a little bit more than that. But but that uneasiness that you have with the fan base. I don't think it really remedies itself until the season begins. And if you win, uh, it's, I think it's a holding pattern and that's kind of, that's, what's been interesting to me, man, is to see one, how long this has been going and two, just knowing that like, there's not going to be a fix in my opinion, until you come out in Jacksonville. And if you beat Boise state, if you lose to Boise state, can you imagine what, what no, happens then? No, God, no. And that's the thing that we all know we all are intelligent enough to know that none of this is really going to get fixed until the, until the games start playing, but none of us can shut up about it until then. It's the off season, man. I got to talk about We have to talk about something. Exactly. So you're, you're, you're damned if you do damned, if you don't, uh, that Boise state game, you touched on it is of the utmost importance, not for just the general psychological well being of the Florida state fan base, but you got a tough, you got a tough matchup in game three going to UVA in Charlottesville, sneaky, tough matchup. You need to get as much momentum for this team to build confidence as early in the year as possible. So you can start rolling along. So yeah, as far as openers go, it's not the sexiest opener Florida state's had in a while. It's not an old miss. It's not in Alabama, but for the state of the team, it might be much more important than those who knows you could argue it either way. No, I, I, I agree to it. I think you start 0-1. Uh, I, some people roll their eyes when you talk about things like like momentum. Um, but but for me, like that's a real it, – it's not tangible. You can't quantify momentum. But I, I've said this before on the podcast. Like if, if Florida State had maybe not beaten Virginia Tech but, but kept it closer, if they had scored a touchdown, for example, it just gotten through and broken through on uh, yeah, the play like Cam Akers gets tripped up or or was it Tamari and Terry gets uh, – would have scored a touchdown and they, they didn't uh, review it. I'm trying to remember the exact, right. there's like two or three instances where they had big plays and didn't capitalize on it. If you just get like that little bit of confidence, I don't think that fixes everything, but man, I would have imagined, you know, maybe that Syracuse game doesn't happen. It probably gets you to a bowl game later. Cause you probably have a little bit more confidence, not the sense of dread that just like, we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot all the time. And that's something that Willie tried to fix coming in. Cause, cause he saw that, like, especially with the offensive line, and honestly, like that, it didn't get fixed. So that's, again, I think where the concern is, but that's where you look at the Boise state opener. I think winning that gets the ball rolling and, and gets you on track. And if not though, man, the shit storm, that shit sandwich you talked about, it's, it's coming. Yeah. It's looming. It's sticky <laughs> and looming for sure. So I am positive. I think we're going to win that game. That's my official bench 24, seven prediction. All right. Market. We're going to win market. that game. All right, yeah. I do too. For what it's yeah. worth, I, Boise State's losing a lot of talent, and and especially on offense. So, anyways, yeah, we don't have to get too analytical right now. Uh, but, no, no, of course not. But we will. Uh, you had mentioned a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of type of deal with the fan base uh, to an extent, and and I feel like I'm dealing with a little bit of that right now. And this is you bringing you 
on the podcast to kind of be my my therapist right now. Why do they hate me, Trey? What 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 am I doing? What am I doing? In all honesty, to to irk what seems like so many people with with what I just view as as facts. Is that it? Is that just being right. condescending? I think that's it. I think that I just realized. No, myself. I. I think, unfortunately, um, and we have to go scenario by scenario, I think the fact that people know that the criticism affects you, is, <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. You got to, we got to have, we're going to work on your poker face, Brendan, if old okay. Dr. Trey has anything to say with you. So that, right. that's a part of it. And then it's also, I don't know if it's a kill the messenger thing. A lot of people, a lot of, and this, you see this in every fan base. When positive news is out, the beat is great. When negative news is out, people don't want the beat reporting on it, even though it's still happening. They think some of the headlines are misleading. Just other other beat writers wouldn't talk about this if it happened. I'm sure you've seen it ad nauseum, ad nauseum. With you, I don't I don't know why that the specific <laughs> that the specific hate is directed in your direction. <laughs> I don't know. Um but yeah, you've had a you've had a rough streak, brother. These past couple weeks, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the most recent. I mean, yesterday I thought was a prime example because I tweeted out the FSU. It was after uh, Marie Schoolsby didn't make it to to campus, and that was something that I think Warchant reported when they were doing the Ocala tour with Willie Taggart a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. that it may not happen. That's something that we had heard that like uh, there was some lukewarmness with the actual staff and how they viewed Goolsby. We knew we had options. It seemed like it was kind of one of those mutual interest things that that could happen. But but as soon as it happens, right. like I was like, okay, let, look at this. Like there aren't any scholarship skill players on offense, uh, which you have to qualify everything because people want to get in an argument of semantics. But no wide receivers, no running backs, no tight ends in that class that are on scholarship. And and to me, like I don't know the last time that's happened at Florida State, at any of the big three schools. Like that just doesn't happen. You could anyway. So I put that out there. That apparently turned to me slandering Willie Taggart. Um, and <laughs> I didn't even mention Willie Taggart. I just put out the numbers and, and said, here you go. Like, this is, this is what it is. This is what it was in 2018. This is what it was 2019. And then, then later in the day, uh, the Booker T. Washington kid, who I think is transferring um, in 2021, decommitted from, from Miami, and he's the number one defensive end in the nation. And, and it just visited Florida State along with some other schools. He loves Odell Hagan's. I, I believe right. Telly Lockett. Telly Lockett, when he sinks his teeth into like a Miami kid, like he gives them a punching chance. So with all those things factoring, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put in the crystal ball because my crystal ball means nothing. Then people were getting mad at that. So damned if you do, damned <laughs> wait, if you don't. Wait, 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 wait. They got mad at you for the positive crystal ball as well? The, yeah, there was a little bit of that too, of of, of being like, what the hell is Sinone doing? Uh, Zach, our intern, sent me a couple a couple tweets that people had put out there, and I'm sure there were others too. Uh, I've I learned to stop uh, searching for my name many years ago because it's just not healthy. But I'm sure there were others out there as well. Well, Brendan, let me let me get you let me get you a metaphor here. So when people see these crystal balls and they have great faith in the 24-7 system of predicting. You guys are all experts. You're very informed, uh, well-sourced, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera, um, blah, 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 blah. So when people see a crystal ball for a highly touted recruit at a position of dire need for Florida State defensive end, they get amped, as a kid would on Halloween. And then when they see it's your crystal ball, <laughs> self-admittedly say you do them for fun, You've just given them a toothbrush or an apple. Oh, and then, okay. 
So you got it was the excitement of the crystal ball, and then oh Jesus, Sano! <laughs> like I could, I could, I could hear the the Sanon. I could hear the collective groan of the fan base. So I think that was it. So I just, I don't know if it's a contractual requirement, but maybe just sit out on CBs for a hot minute. All right. No, it's not. I, I thought it'd be fun to do, and it's turned out to be, I don't want to say the exact opposite, but it's been a double-edged sword. We'll, we'll put it that way. But when I nail those crystal balls, man, it feels so good. So there you go. But you got to do what feels You got to do you, Brendan. You got to do you. But yeah, the, the, the stories, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you said that we didn't get any offensive skill players, you didn't say that that was bad or good. You just said, this is what happened, right? Like, these are the facts, guy. Right, literally just put out numbers, and I have my opinions on it too, but that's not what I put out on Twitter, and I don't think I spoke on it you know, much publicly before before that time or during that time. Correct, yeah, it was literally well, just numbers. So this is what, this is what it gets down to. Mm-hmm. Um, we People, I think the main criticism was like, well, we didn't target any skill players because we got a ton of wide receivers in the 2018 class. You know, we were stacked at running back, yada, yada. Um, that's, I mean, that's fine, but if you, if you're going to be the same person that criticizes Jimbo Fisher for his offensive line recruiting, where you would get five in a year, then one or zero, and then five again, um, you can't, it's hard to defense the same strategy for wide receivers. Now, offensive line is different. The position group takes longer to develop. You can get plug and play receivers, especially in a Kendall Browell's offense up to speed a little bit more, but however, I think it's fine to to look at a strategy of taking effectively zero when there were guys that were on the board, uh, John Dunmore, Mm -hmm. uh, that we kind of slow played for more of the elite guys like a George Pickens and see that it's not a failing strategy. It's a strategy that exposes you to more risk, which I don't Mm -hmm. know that the program needs right now. Um, And to be honest, the one the one thing that I, the, it wasn't a criticism, but a point of view that I could kind of understand a little bit more than the former is that if you're going to talk about having effectively zero skill players for the class, uh, no offense to the kid, but we could have talked about that months ago when he was the only commit because all of the recruiting experts didn't really project uh, that much of a contribution from Maurice Goolsby anyway. Sure. So I don't know. I don't know if fans were like, Hey, how come you didn't talk about this two months ago when everybody said this kid wasn't going to do anything. And now you're just drumming up the story for negative clicks. And so, I mean, I don't know, bro. Everybody, it's the off season. We, we all need content and everybody's sensitive, but yeah, it's not, it's not a failing strategy, but I think you can point to the fact that no other schools in recent memory do it, uh, that it might not be a viable one. However, I will say they did seem to hit a home run with the 2018 class so far wide receiver class. They did hit on a few of those guys for sure. Like Keyshawn Helen's going to be good. Treshawn Harrison's going to be good. Uh, but, you know, at running back, like, I like Anthony Grant, but did he have more than two or three carries last year? Like, we don't know if any of those guys are surefire. I guess that would be, as, no, as I reflect no, on it, that would be my don't. point. Yeah. Sure, it, it, you, sure. you said it well, Trace. You, you open it up to, you open yourself up to risks. And I don't know if FSU's in position right now. And I mean, they could end up getting two running back commits in the next month. And I look like an idiot, but like, I just don't right now, like don't know if you're in a position to be, to be saying, well, we'll figure it well, out Brendan, in, a, in a year from now. Yeah. Let me, let me interrupt for a second. It's, mm-hmm. um, you go from 
you go from like, they could get to running back commits and we're in a great position. Okay. But it's not a could you need to get to running back commits and you're in a sure. great position, which to be fair, it seems like the staff is very well aware of it. They've mm-hmm. altered their recruiting strategy from last season. And it seems like they found a good sweet spot of not the elite elite, but really, really good kids that are, are prone to, listening to FSU's message coming off of five and seven seasons. You've got a kid like Jalen Knighton. Kevon Lee has been on campus a bunch of times. Cause I have from Coco breaking news. He's supposed uh, to come uh, tonight, tonight. We're recording this on a Friday, uh, but I'll probably post on Saturday. So he's supposed to, he should be on campus tonight. by the time this is up. Yeah. That'd be three times in like a month and a half. I think. Yeah. I may put I may put in a crystal ball for him. No, wait, no, don't, don't do that. No, God, no, no, no. (laughs) We're we're rehabbing your image, dude. All right, all right, all right. No, just hold off. (laughs) Wait for Wilt Fong. Always do it after Wilt Fong. Uh, Then I'm just copying Wilt Fong. See, I have a lot of insecurities here. I think is what what I'm realizing about myself. (laughs) This is eye opening. This is eye opening. Uh, Uh, One thing I'll say, dude, is like I I like the recruiting class they're putting together. I think it's a really solid foundation. I like generally what they're doing. I get concerned about most things in life, but I get concerned about what the what's going to be left after this summer. So many kids are committing, you know, earlier and earlier with the the timeline being moved up with the early signing period in December now. It just you, like I said earlier with, you know, in terms of perception for this fan base, things don't change until you start winning some games and that's just what's tough. And I think I have to look at as a writer and reporter. Uh, I think the fan base has to maybe understand too is, is you have to kind of hold your breath and wait until August to maybe start getting some of that traction on these big time kids. And the downside of that though, is that your timeline is now sped up. So that puts FSU in a really tough position in a class that I think as big as this season is for Willie Taggart, like this is equally like a really big recruiting class. Um, do you remember when Leonard Hamilton was kind of on the hot seat a few years ago? And it was that recruiting class that, that kept him intact. So you have to have like, give people reason for optimism. So that's kind of where mm-hmm. I'm at with that. There's a lot of pressure uh, right now. And I guess that's what gives me anxiety, but I like the class. You know, so when I am critical of, you know, some things with recruiting, it's, it's not from the standpoint of, they can't do it. It's just like it, the results have to start showing and you're kind of putting yourself in a corner. As you said, there's now things that are, that are need-based. And, and when you're coming off a five and seven season, having a bunch of needs probably isn't the best place to be, but that's the reality we're in, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's still, there's a bunch of time. There's a bunch of kids still left on the board. There's a bunch of kids that FSU is in good in. They're still in the top 10 of the rankings. However, our ceilings limited just on the, the it's going to be tough to get like the elite elite five-star kids that really skyrocket the rankings. But as you can tell from Willie Taggart's uh, kind of the, the rehab job he did of the 2018 class where he took it off and mm-hmm. with the new coach bump and being able to sell like hope and change and, and all these new, like a new coach vibe, a new feel. When you give the guy a product to sell, he seems to be very capable. So just, <laughs> we've got to be able to get the on-field product good enough for him to sell it. So we'll see, man. I'm not, it's, it's still too early. Um, don't expect like a top five class or anything, but <laughs> we're still early, man. No reason to jump off the ledge. Just enjoy your summer guys. 
Just enjoy your summer. I, I'm I'm with you. Well, yes, I'm definitely with you on that. But I'm I'm also with you on the the Willie Taggart. Like, if he has something good to sell, I I've talked about doing this like with Chris and Josh, like doing a full podcast because we're we're fairly critical on our podcast. I think we're objective, but but we're unfortunately like what we've last seen kind of points to not having a ton of of optimism and confidence. Sure, and future, of course. Uh, that's I think you know when they start winning games, we'll talk about them winning games. Like, yeah, that's just kind of how this this works, but. With Willie, like I've talked about, want to do a podcast. Like, if this thing gets rolling, what does it look like? And I think that's what you're holding on to right now. If you're a Florida State fan, as you mentioned, Trey, that 2018 cycle, the way Willie Taggart finished when he had a cool message to sell, getting Jaden would be huge. Holding on to guys like Asante Samuel and Robert Cooper, huge. Like, he showed he can do it. Getting Trayshawn Harrison to go across the country, like, he can do it, mm-hmm. but uh, ellipses, like, dot, 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 you know, the on field product has to start matching the potential that absolutely and that's it's with each passing year the on-field product becomes more and more his responsibility as opposed to there's less conversation talking about what he inherited and more conversation talking about what he's doing himself to mold the program and get the results so hiring kendall bryles hiring randy clements hiring ron dugans it seems like, honestly, if you can read between the lines, this is probably closer to the staff that he wanted to originally hire in the first place. With Dugans, you know that's a fact. Sure. So we'll see. We'll see, man. It, it's tough because so much of a new coach's tenure depends on that first full recruiting class, that first full season. Can you capture the momentum of the new coach bump? Um, and there's not a lot of historical precedents for having a middling beginning and then shooting up to the national championship heights that we expect as a Florida state fan base. Uh, so it's tough, man. Uh, all that long wordy way to see, just wait and see. I'm optimistic, but uh, <laughs> nothing's for certain, man. <laughs> just wait and see like everybody else. So this is Dr. Trey telling everyone to take a chill pill, telling me to take a chill pill. We all just need chill pills. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. Just, 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 a, you're a medical dispensary. Just flipping out chill pills to everyone. That's, that's your doctor in nice. And if we suck, you'll have plenty of time to talk about it during the season. Cause as you know, a crappy season, it, it feels like dog years. It feels like tarot, like seven seasons. So there'll be plenty of time to talk about how bad we suck while we're sucking. All right. With that, that's a good note to take a quick break from our, from our FSU podcast sponsors. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> uh, and when we, and when we come back, we're going to get into the, uh, the top 40, most important, best top ranked 40, most important Florida state Brandon, players let me, of 2019. Let me do the segue for you. All right, do it. Let me do the segue. And a word from some sponsors who don't suck. <laughs> what? And we're back, and that was amazing, Trey. Wow, wow. Thank the, you. Uh, the, the segue I've was great. To do a segue. <laughs> it, it was, have you ever ridden a segue? Uh, no, no. I have too much self-respect. <laughs> hmm, interesting. I pegged you as a segue guy. All right. So now we get to make fun oh, of. Man. Well, uh, we're going to see how your therapy session. Uh, held up because now we're going to give you the opportunity to not just analyze the list that I have, uh, but pick it apart. So before we get to oh boy. What, what are the most recent guys of the, the 40 most important FSU players of this season, and, and we're going in, we're going to do an in-depth breakdown of 25 to 21 on the list. 
But before, I'm just going to read them off real quick. I get to butcher some names. And you get to let me know, Trey, of, of so far the guys I put on the list, the biggest, I, I guess we could say, the most egregious placement so far. Uh, the thoughts on the list in general, does it suck, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Free reign. And you can just also say it's awesome and then I'm great, too, if, if you want. But number 40. Right. Who knows? I, we'll see. Okay. All right, running back Anthony Grant at 40. Wide receiver Keith Gavin at 39. Cornerback Travis J at 38. Wide receiver Trayshawn Harrison at 37. Kicker Ricky Aguayo at 36. Cornerback Kyle Myers at 35. Uh, offensive lineman Chaz Neal at 34. This is riveting podcasting, by the way. Just, just rooting off a list. Good radio. Good radio. <laughs> Safety Cyrus Fagan at 33. I would do it faster. I don't think I can. Uh, punter Logan Tyler at 32. Defensive back Akeem Dent at 31. Offensive lineman Dante Lucas at 30. Offensive lineman Mike Arnold at 29. Defensive lineman Dennis Briggs at 28. Linebacker Emmett Rice at 27 and defensive tackle big Robert Cooper at 26. So that's your, uh, the, the, that's what we have so far. What are your thoughts? My question. So most important, are you taking, as far as the criteria, is mm-hmm. it mostly talent? Is it how good we need them to be, to have a good team? How are you defining importance as the list master? Yes. Uh, to, to me, it's a combination <laughs> of, of the two things you said, and that's what I try to blend. I don't have like a set ratio in my mind. I, I, what I try to look at is, one, how good the player is. So like if a guy sucks, like there's only so far I could put him, although we'll, we'll see in, in some later rankings. <laughs> like uh, your, your hand's kind of yeah. forced because that's probably the second thing I, I weigh is the position, the health of the position, what the depth looks like. Like could you survive if this guy went down for a few games or not? Like how would that impact oh, your okay. season? Uh, and then three, like the like the importance of the position too. Like I'm not going to rank quarterback and kicker the same. So so those are pretty much the the three things I try to look at when formulating it. But admittedly, is it's a list, so it's not a science. Uh, shocking, I know. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's also Jay. It's off season mode. Um, no man, nothing too egregious. Uh, I'm a very anti Ricky Aguayo person just because I'm a big fan of turtles. Turtles, so yeah. That, Tur- has, that has nothing to do with this list, but that's just a personal qualm of mine. It sounds good. People might balk when they see like Mike Arnold above Dante Lucas. But if you're talking about like an importance list, it's important for Mike Arnold to be better than Dante Lucas right now because Dante Lucas is a true freshman. Now, talent-wise, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't expect it to. I expect Lucas to get more time on the field than he probably should as a true freshman out of desperation or maybe injury. But, uh, no, man, I'm fine with it, especially if you look at it as we need these players to be good. Keith Gavin, mm-hmm. maybe you could put up higher on the list as a as, – and I don't know what, who your highest-ranked receiver is, but as a – as like a senior – he's a senior, right? He's a junior yeah, senior. He, yeah, he's a, he is a senior yeah, somehow. He's a, he, he's a senior. Yeah, he's been here for forever. Uh, so he's a senior – He's been a guy that we've been waiting to break out. He's got all the physical tools. He's a guy that is, could be penciled in as your start, one of your starting outside dudes, just the prototypical, all the physical measurables, if he could get it together. So it might, you could maybe bump Keith Gavin up, not because I think he's going to be one of our better receivers on the team. I don't, but it would be very important for him to be so you don't have to ask as much of the younger guys. So, no, I, mean, I think it's a fun – your list is fine, Brendan. No anxiety. I have uh, no glaring God. issues with your list. 
Woo, thank goodness. It, it's funny, though, dude, that you mentioned Keith Gavin, because that was one guy I had a little bit. I, I never know on the list whether to say higher or, or he was earlier. Like he was somewhere in the I think in the low 30s. Uh, and and my colleagues were like, eh, maybe bump him down to Tuds. I think someone I can't remember who I don't want to throw him under the bus. But someone was like, he doesn't belong on the list at all. So that was a compromise a little bit with Keith Gavin. But but to me, man, I think he's like the embodiment of of the end of the Jimbo Fisher era, like looks great. High rank guy. I remember Jimbo telling us like after press conference, he was like, yeah, that guy's the number one wide receiver in the country. I think Keith and, and he's had some bad injury. Oh, that had one thing. Yeah. He, Jim, Jimbo was a little prone to hyperbole, believe it or not, but he has what one touchdown reception in his career. Um, and, and man, just those hands are not consistent. So that to me is like the, no, the no. picture of, of Jimbo Fisher's like the folly of the end. There is, is Keith Gavin. No, no slide. Well, it's just, just a lot of, no, no, no slide on Keith. He does. I mean, he needs to, it's a very, he's an important player. He needs to, he needs to step up, but yeah, that's, I mean, but that's, that's the difference. You take, you take risks on high ceiling guys. I mean, they're all highly rated prospects, but yeah, the bust factor's high when you cluster them together. If they all bust at the same time, you're in a lot of trouble. So now we have a team primarily, at least in the, like the trenches where, kind of higher floor guys, but the ceiling's not, is not, not there. So just two mm-hmm. different, two different, uh, I guess, player evaluation, recruiting strategies c- clashing into one, uh, clashing into one beautiful play, I guess, and, the, and the human drama. <laughs> you make it sound very poetic, uh, in, in the human I drama, r- the result was, you know, <clears throat> five and seven seasons. So again, <laughs> I, 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 that's why I'm always a proponent though. Like before we were like, Oh, let's get rid of this guy or this coach sucks. Like, and give him three years or so. Like I'm usually a, a pretty firm proponent of that. I know some want uh, instant gratification, uh, or just to not look like a hot mess on the field. Uh, hey, do, do you yeah, know what, do you know what Ricky Aguayo, when you Google his name, what the first thing that pops up after you finish Aguayo is? Uh, turtle murder. Just turtle. I don't think, well, you know what? Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Let's see. Ricky Aguayo. This is also great radio break. <laughs> like hearing you click and do Google searching. Ricky Aguayo, if I type in turtle and then nothing else, Google doesn't have any other suggestions after turtle, but it is turtle. So. Well, you might have your safe search on because it's a very bloody, gory, and sad topic. So it, it is pretty traumatizing. <laughs> but let's get into who who are the new additions to the list, Brendan. I can't wait to unveil the next the next group. All right, here we go. Number twenty five, freshman linebacker who stole our hearts in the spring, Jaleel McCray. Okay, so you have Jaleel McCray over. Emmett Rice, an upperclassman who's going to probably be a starter at the outside linebacker. And Jaleel McCray, very talented, showed up well during the spring game, which, you know, glorified scrimmage, but he looked great. The athleticism Mm -hmm. was there. The injuries didn't seem to take a toll. But at best, he's what, Dontavious' backup? Or Emmett's backup, and they have him being, you know, one or the other. He's... Okay, and here, I love Emmett Rice's game. Like, I think FSU needs more of Emmett Rice in its life. Like, a guy like that who – remember against the Boston – it was against Boston College, and there was a play where they had him blitz. And he shot the gap, and I can't remember. I don't think he actually got a sack, but he got into the backfield. And, uh, and he was physical and hit whoever he was supposed to hit. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's what that's supposed to look like. And that That is why I have Jaleel McCray so high is because he looks the part of a complete and total linebacker. Like Emmett Rice is willing to be physical, 
Jaleel McCray to me is one willing to be physical two has the size to you know do what Dontavious Jackson does, which is defend the run very well. And you saw it in the spring game and we heard that he was doing it throughout the entire spring. He plays like he drops in the coverage really naturally. Like it's been since sure. Telvin, Telvin Smith, a, a year after he was hanging out with me at the, the bar with Suge Knight back in, uh, back in, in California that, that, that we've seen an FSU linebacker look complete like that. So yeah, man, Jaleel McCray. Um, do you think that's, do you think it's a little generous to put a true freshman over? Uh, no, uh, over no, no, no. I mean, cause it's, no, it, it, once again, it's a, it's a, it's a freaking subjective list, dude. It's no big deal. Um, no, it's not. I guess. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Message board. Um, I guess is, is you're using talent projection more. I think it's probably more important for Emmett Rice to be better than Jaleel McCray this season, just because that's how you would like a program to work. Uh, you'd want the upperclassmen and give the young guys some time to develop. But yeah, man, I could totally see it. Especially, I like how you touched on his pat, his natural pass covering ability because from like the NC State game on, it was, and I don't know if it was wear and tear, if it was offensive coordinators figuring out the the glaring weakness that we had in the middle of the defense, or if it's just playing. We played much better offenses in the second half of the year. But the middle of the FSU defense was open for business, man. Yeah. So to yeah. have a linebacker who can cover and hit some athleticism there, I think that's vitally important. So we're, we're grasping at straws. We're splitting hairs. And I will give – don't know if you listen or not, but Raymond Woody, great mm-hmm. job flipping the linebacker room, boss. You're doing it. You're doing your gig. That's what, respect to you. That's what – if we're looking at you know some of the misses that they've had in, in flipping the roster over to this point, and, and I think they're – Not a linebacker. Not a linebacker. Great at linebacker. Yeah, I I like what they've done there. I think that room's going to look markedly. I think it already is markedly better just with having Emmett Rice healthy and having Jaleel McCray. Dude, I I love that I've gotten five minutes out of you when we're not even really debating it, but we're talking about the difference between the number twenty-seven guy on the list and the number twenty-five guy on the list. Uh, I love lists. Brendan, I love nuance. I'm a I'm a nuanced man. I, I like civil discourse. I'm a big I'm a big proponent of it. Me too. I love nuance. It's one of my favorite things in life. It's just, it's just balance and, and striking a, a middle ground. And and when people don't want to do that with me, I get very upset. So let's move to number 24 on the list. Now, this is one trade that was called by one reader as my quote unquote worst selection yet. That is Alex oh, Hornibrook. <laughs> yeah, this quarterback, Alex Hornibrook oh, at number 24. The backup QB. Okay, mm-hmm. fun. Uh, now, my, is this pending the waiver situation? Do we expect Jordan Travis's waiver to just be denied, or are we just supposed to not talk about Jordan Travis's waiver anymore? I expect it to be. I expect, I expect the waiver to be accepted sometime in 2022. At this point, <laughs> it, it, it is factored in the waiver because uh, I know some of like the more prominent quarterbacks, like the Justin Fields, and um, oh god, I'm blanking on the uh, Tate Mart. Was it Tate Martell? I can't remember. For Miami, yeah, yeah, Tathan, yeah, Tathan Martell, yep, yeah, that guy, what a DB. Um, I I think <laughs> that we've seen those guys get their names pushed through quickly, but there's a lot. I was talking to one of my friends who's a sports info guy at another school in the Power Five, and he's like, "Yeah, man, we have we have a player who we applied for even earlier than than Jordan Travis that we're still waiting for. This is a couple of weeks ago, but but so a lot of people are still in limbo. You know, typical like." For myself as a writer, like I'm focusing on the Florida State aspect instead of looking at the entire sure. picture. But but yeah, at this point, I mean, if we're 
we're here in, in mid June as we're recording this podcast, and there's still not you know a surefire clarity to that. And then Wyatt Rector is the other quarterback, and he's a preferred walk-on. We don't know if he's going to be available. And Nolan McDonald, I know, is a really nice you know walk-on quarterback, but he's still a walk-on quarterback. There's a reason why Florida State hasn't invested a scholarship in him yet, and other programs haven't either. To me, like that, <laughs> you go down the line there, and like, oh yeah, and then, and then your projected starter is James Blackman, who yeah, he's gone through an entire season, but one one hiccup, one injury. Like all of a sudden you're, you're starting to look at, at maybe walk-ons if you don't have Alex Hornerbrook. So when we look at importance, well, I would, yeah, I would argue it'd be funny. I think it would have been, it's probably, and this is probably what your mindset was. If Blackman doesn't get injured, not that important, whatever, man, enjoy your one year in Florida, like soak up the Kendall Browse offense. It's, uh, the scenery in Tallahassee is wonderful. If James Blackman does get hurt, this dude shoots up right to the top of the list. Right. So he's like <laughs> off the list, number one, divide it. No, okay, you're in the 20s. And that's uh, totally. Like, all of a sudden, we're all rushing to do feature stories on Alex Hornerbrook and, like, who is this guy? And what is he? What is, yeah, all of a sudden, we're doing this in depth film breakdown. I could picture Tomahawk Nation doing like a, a, a 3,000 word story on every single throw he, he made at Wisconsin. Like, like that's that's where we go if it happens. But, you know, like 24 on the list, like the person who, who, who took offense, like anyone that thinks that's too high for a backup quarterback, like think about how many starters are there. There's 22. So this is basically saying he's one of the most important backups. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's where I, dude, I get it. Like, yeah, I, th- he could be very unimportant, which is what we're hoping for. He could Correct. be very important, which is what nobody's hoping we're for. We're not hoping for I, I, um, I'm with, I'm with you there. Yeah, you don't. It is funny. You guys haven't pushed this. Or I don't think any of the local, more knowledgeable uh, media outlets have pushed it. But have you seen like some chatter about like a potential quarterback controversy from like national outlets where they yes. think that it's actually a competition? That's not. There's no way that's the case, correct? I did like a national show yesterday, and they asked me like, "Is it going to be James Blackman or Alex Hornerbrook?" I'm like, well, "This may sound crazy to you guys, but everyone here really likes James Blackman. <laughs> like, it's." It, the staff it may likes sound James. crazy but you're all dumb <laughs> <laughs> the guy who got you know, pushed out of his other school isn't going to be the one pushing james blackman who's been here for yeah. a couple years yeah if you know if if this were justin fields if this were jalen hurts like that's that's part of the reason why james blackman started exploring his options in the offseason because he was seeing all these big names uh, floating around and you know, that human instinct is to be like, Oh, like, what do they think of me? Like, do they want me? I'm going to let them know they don't want me or that, that, that they should want me. Um, and, right. and Alex Hornerbrook wasn't, isn't that guy though. I think he is somewhat to me like raises easier break in case of emergency guy. And, and he at least elevates like the worst case scenario. He makes it a little bit more manageable. I think that's his value this year. I don't know why national media has yeah. turned it into something else other than he's a name, I guess. He's a guy that people kind of know. Uh, I, know. I think, yeah, I think so, man. It's just a juicy thing. Quarterback, quarterback controversies always get those clicks that you guys are <laughs> looking for. Those, those, those valuable clicks. But uh, yeah, man, 24 is fine. I don't know if I would, uh, if your methodology is to make him one of the highest rated backups, uh, Unfortunately, uh, it, Mike Arnold, or more fortunately, Dante Lucas, are probably going to be starters at guards. So you could probably put them slide right. them into like the 25, 26. But, dude, you're splitting hairs, man. It's fine. No That's issue fine. with it. All right. All right. Okay. Again, deep breath. All right. Feeling better about myself. This is helping. This is like. This, yeah. Come on, who's next? All right. 
Number 23, tight end Trey McKitty. I, I don't have a whole lot to say. Like, I, he's projected to be the starting tight end, and they may do some cool things with him in this offense. They may not. I, I don't know. Is he the only tight end on the list? Yes. I, I'm, I'm okay. not sure he, he, how they view Cam McDonald. I, I think I like him a lot, but I'm not sure yet if he's, like, someone that they think is ready to be, like, the guy. Yeah, very, very weird how there was a bunch of hype coming into McKitty. Uh, into this year, and it seems like all the hype from that offseason to this one is transferred over to Cam McDonald. I still feel that uh, Trey McKitty is a very valuable piece to the team, especially once you start getting into some true RPOs, pop passes over the middle. Right. Uh, I, I think that I think that he could surprise some people this year. So yeah, I'm very fine with this placement. And like early last year, I thought Trey McKitty, like I was high on him coming into the year. I knew he was a guy that Willie Tagger liked and recruited at USF. And I thought he was going to be used, uh, featured pretty prominently uh, for Florida State. And that ends up, like it happened in the first part of the year. Then I just had to keep him into block all the time. And he had some drops and and issues with confidence. How how many big catches did he have called back because of penalties because of someone else lined up incorrectly too? Like like what could have been a really nice season for him, I I think really got derailed. So that's why I'm, I think... I don't know. I don't know if 23 is too high, but like I, I, I'm a little higher on him and his upside with Kendall Bryles, I think, than than most people. But you know, again, it's a tight end. I think that's fair. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think it's very fair. I don't. I'd have to. Uh, I'd have to do some roll cast research on the role of the tight end in the Kendall Bryles offense. But no, man, I think this is fine. I think I think McKitty has a nice bounce back here. I feel good about him. I almost made a terrible pun there, and I said no. Brendan, no doing a, a roll cast roll pun. All right. Number 22. Uh, well, well, just by referencing it, you basically made it anyway. So there you go. All right. Number 22. <laughs> I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one because this uh, has been a guy to me who's been a pretty polarizing figure amongst the fan base because you look at just a massive potential. You look what he could be. And then you look at two career sacks to date. Defensive engineerius Robinson. To me, dude, boomer bust year for him. I don't, you know what? I don't know if you're, if, if the player is one of like the 10 most important deals, but getting a pass rush from the defensive end position is one of the biggest question marks on the entire team right now, other than mm-hmm. the looming monolith of the offensive line, <laughs> just the dark cloud that hangs over everything. It's ominous as hell. But yeah, man, cause I, you lose otherworldly production from Brian Burns. And if you don't get it from Janarius Robinson and Joshua Kando, who I'm sure teaser alert is probably on this list as well, a little bit oh, higher yeah. up, which I, mm-hmm. which I think is, Oh, we're not on the ooh, ooh, No. Ooh, okay. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You'll have to check at those 24 seven to find out later. That's right. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so you, you'll have to get production from that, from two guys that have flashed very intermittently. And if you don't, that's when you start, you're going to have to rely on Harnett Barnett's, uh, what was it, the Delta scheme, maybe some of those three, four looks that they were experimenting. Then you have to scheme up pressure, which opens you up a little bit more on the back end. It's not a, it's not a scheme that they have years and years of familiarity with, so there could be some blown coverage issues. So, yeah. Janarius Robinson, I don't know if he's going to have the year. There's a big question mark, but he needs to have a solid year. The defensive ends need to step up. I'm very, I don't know if I'm concerned, but I'm very intrigued on the production that we get uh, on that part of our defensive line. 
just going to throw out a name for you here. Maybe he'll be on the list a little bit higher up. Maybe not. Leonard Warner. Just hey, just saying that may be a guy. That may be a guy to uh, to to bookmark and kind of keep an eye out for. As far as I'm, in, 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 I'm, I'm not even. Yeah, and that's the thing. I didn't even mention him in that. I'm. That is that is such a that is such a question mark to me. How did he look in spring practices? Are you are you buying into it? With the caveat, he's rushing all against our offensive line. <laughs> That's Even with right. that caveat, were you, were you impressed with the the early returns on Leonard Warner, the edge rusher? That's a, that's what we were trying to figure out last year with Brian Burns. Like, how good is this guy? Because he's just destroying people in practice right now. But like, you know, <laughs> yeah, we we didn't feel great about the offensive line. I don't think anyone thought it was going to be what it ended up being. But but it was always wow. kind of the same caveat that you. And now this year with Marvin Wilson, it's like the same narrative. Like. When, when he does well, people are saying, well, he's going against us all. Both, he could be a badass and he could be, you know, beating up Andrew Baselli. Like, you know, it could be both things. Yeah. Um, I, I lean I, more towards that. He's good and he's beating up jobbers. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I, not mutually exclusive. But regarding Leonard Warner, I was really skeptical when they first put him on the edge. Um, and... And they put Adonis Thomas there too, and Josh Brown. I was like, all right, let's see what they're doing. And then I talked to some people in the program who, who usually are pretty good at not BSing me. Like I got, I got burnt with some BSing last year because it was the first year. Uh, and this is someone right. who I trust. And it was like, you know, this is someone I trust more or less. Like, oh, they don't, they don't blow smoke. And uh, and he said Leonard Warner looked really good. He noted like this is kind of what the previous staff envisioned for him was to kind of do that hybrid on the edge role. Uh, and, and that's more what he was recruited for by necessity last year. FSU had to play him inside a linebacker and he didn't quite fit exactly what they're doing. I think him being someone they're high on is part of the reason why they're toying with that, those three, four elements. It's not a like really? traditional three, four, but yeah, they, they like him. And then he looked really good in the spring game, dude. Like I thought he looked really quick, natural there. Remember when you, you referenced the Delta package, that's someone who they put in the Delta package. Like he was, he was in their pass rush formation was more someone who was like supposed to just kind of get pressured and, and collapse the pocket on the outside and force the quarterback in. But like, I'll put it this way. I feel a little bit more optimistic about what he can do on the edge than what I've seen from Janarius Robinson at this point. Very fair. And that's good. And the, the movement of Leonard Warner helps soften the blow of the transfer of a very talented yet very, unproven and mercurial Xavier Peters. Okay, cool, man. Who's next? I like your list so far. Who's the last guy? All right, last one. Offensive lineman Brady Scott, who may not even start this year. Ah. He may not start over Mike Arnold. I don't know. I don't know. But but I do know that offensive line is your favorite topic, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this to you. (laughs) What do you think about the about the BS man? Um a good like a like a very good solid utility player. To be honest with you, if you're dead set on keeping one of Mike Arnold or Jawan Williams out of your starting five, which I understand, (laughs) I understand why you'd want to do that. He is a critical component of that, either on the interior, maybe on the exterior. I don't know. Um, But yeah, he, he could be one of your most important offensive linemen. He could not even be a starter. But you know that when he's thrown into a position that he isn't groomed for before he's ready, at least he can give you respectability. At least better he can than run sucks. your offensive sets. 
Yeah, yes. a little less than suck. Like, <laughs> yeah, these diets suck. He doesn't suck the whole way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like that. And it's just, it's funny when you're making a list like this, Brady Scott could end up being one of our most important offensive linemen. He could end up being one of our most important backups. So slotting him in the middle, that's good, Brendan. Give yourself a little bit of a hedge in case people want to use this against you later for slander. I like it. it <laughs> they don't call me hedge to known for nothing. All right. That's the breakdown of the list. They I'd like two more top. I did not they do. call you that. <laughs> they do. They do. It's in my Twitter bio. You should look it up. I'm changing it now. All right. So we have two more, two more things to go over. And I know I promised you, dude, like, 45 minutes. Do we have, do we have five more minutes? Cause we're going into an hour here. I, have five I, I, I'm fine. I'm you won't fine. get fired. I'm child. And if I get fired, it's all on you, Brendan. So uh, yeah, we're fine. Take as much time as you want. You know what? If you get fired, you can come on, on the bench podcast all the time. It doesn't pay anything, but you know, just have your name out there, uh, you know, but you already have your name out there. So never mind. I can't offer you anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, we're fine. I have much time as needed. So, I, I promised my listeners a story if we gotten if the podcast got to over 400 five star reviews. I can't ask for any five star reviews for a while. In fact, I'm probably violating oh. the, the pact I made with them by talking about it right now. Uh, so this isn't me asking for it. It's just saying I'm paying up. I told my listeners that we get past this uh, this goal. I will not ask, and I will share a story. And this was right after the EJ Manual news of him being on the on the ACC network, by the way, did, did he get back to you? I know you're trying to get him on the, on the podcast. Uh, is that why I'm on the podcast he did not. On, on Monday? All right. I, I shot, I shot my shot and failed a uh, story of my life. Uh, yeah. It is what it is. I will continue to try for my broadcast listeners. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take my friend. And that's, that's, that's the lesson I think that people need to take away. Uh, it, it, speaking <laughs> of taking shots, do you want to hear the story? about how EJ Manuel and I, not at the same time, but we both were, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it. We, we both made a play at a, uh, a lovely co-ed. Uh, and yeah, do you want to hear that story? How EJ Manuel and I were both both kind of dipping our toe in the same water? Well, I hope Mrs. Sinone doesn't listen to this. But yeah, <laughs> I'd like to hear how you outspin moved uh, the goat EJ Manuel. Go ahead, bud. I did look over my shoulder because she's doing yard work right off. I'm really close to the window <laughs> where You're I'm sitting. So. About another girl. Oh my God. But not, no. Yeah. Go ahead. Man. Give me the story. <laughs> All right. Well, first off, this is her perspective of it. And it's really not going to be a great story. I, I promise. It's just, you know, more of a humble brag kind of, uh, but, but one, this is assuming that okay. what she told me was, this is assuming what she told me is true. And, and I believe her to be honest, because she was brutally honest when she had said why she didn't want to see me, why she didn't want to see me again after a couple of dates. But Anyways, uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, uh, a few years before uh, her and I met on the Tinder, uh, which which was a thing for me back when I first moved to Tallahassee, because you know it was oh. new, it was Tallahassee. I was newly single. The Tinder was uh, was my best yeah. friend for a while. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. Do, do they still do the, Do they still do that? Is Tinder still a thing? Bro, that was before that was before my it's, time. I had to go. Oh, so you have a kid like, drunk at the bar the old fashioned way. Yeah, I was two thousand seven. <laughs> that was we were in the early stages of Facebook. Yeah, I did not have those the sort of aids. Uh kids today have they don't know. They don't know how easy they have it. Uh, yeah, that's right. I had to walk up to the strip barefoot, both ways uphill. 
to get my <laughs> twenty five cent drink at the strip. Yep, definitely in the, in the snow. Um, so we <laughs> we we were going. It was like our second day, and I went all out, dude. I took her to Cool Beans, which fancy. I went all out for Ooh. the second date. Yeah, sure. yeah. And she she revealed to me on the second date that apparently, again, it's according to her that that a certain starting quarterback had asked her out a couple of years ago. He saw her at the the fig. The, uh, the the cafeteria where the the athletes usually kind of hang out, but students can go there too. Uh, just in the the Moore Center, and uh, and apparently, according to her, she told him no. She said, "I'm not interested," and she knew who it was too. What? She knew it was one EJ Manuel, who was probably around then. I think the starting quarterback at Florida State, if, if or at least pushing up to be one. So it's probably like 2011 or so. And she said no. Oh, so she was. Uh, so she's racist. I mean, she. Uh, <laughs> She was Hispanic. Why did she say she, no? I, I think she just didn't want, I think she was against like athletes. Like she wasn't, cause she was an athlete in high school oh. and kind of knew, knew, uh, knew what that could entail. Uh, so yeah, I think that was so, more thing or she was racist one or the other, but you know, so she went with the antithesis of athletic prowess. You is what you're saying. She went, yes, exactly. She was like, I've been broken. My heart's been broken with this track too much more. I'm going to go with this five foot eight nerdy scrawny guy. I was scrawnier than with, now, his, you know, thick, with his thick Corolla. Yeah. That's, <laughs> hey, I like it, dude. Yeah. And Brendan then we made one EJ Manuel zero. EJ, we made out in the Corolla. Well, EJ and I didn't make out in the Corolla. I'm letting EJ Manuel know if he's listening. Me and this lady made out in the Corolla. That's all I'm saying. That's Damn. all I'm saying. In your, in your face. In your first round draft pick analyst. <laughs> enjoy enjoy your, your amazing lifestyle and happiness. Yeah, enjoy being there. great and rich, nerd. <laughs> All right, so that's the story. I promised it. I think it was thoroughly underwhelming, which means I delivered right on cue. All right. That's Last good. thing. Well, 400 more five-star reviews, and Brendan, I'll tell you about the time where uh, he made out with Candy Fisher. All right, let's play a game. Fact or fiction. <laughs> Ready? We're going to play this game. Yeah, let's go. Uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'm really, I'm blushing now. All right, we're going we're gonna to reveal the answers to these on the roll cast on Monday. That's the plan. That's what you agreed to, at least. And, you know, I'm not forcing That's right. it. If this ends up being terrible, we can just pretend it never happened. All right, dude? Phenomenal. So you guys listen. So we're going to, he's going to ask me some fact or fiction scenarios. I'm going to give my answer. The answers will be revealed on the Rollcast. That's R-O-W-L-C-A-S-T. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Google Play. I'm on the Apple. I'm on the SoundCloud. Subscribe. And if you hate it, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> you teasing SO. Yeah, I thought you didn't know how to tease. You're amazing at this. All right, here we go. Oh, thanks, buddy. And they're all Josh Newberg related, which, you know, and Josh is going to be on, on the roll cast. So and instead of being fact or fiction, can you say fact or Newberg for me? So you're going to pick fact or Newberg on based on each statement. All right. All right. So fiction is Newberg because everything he says <laughs> yes. is bullshit. Yes. Phenomenal. Yes. I'm in. Let's yes. go. Yes. All right. All right. Fact or Newberg. Josh Newberg frequently sends memes of himself in his group chat with coworkers. Oh, fact, dude. I know he's sitting in the one with the gold teeth and the one with, like, Karen Key Largo on the whiteboard. Fact. 100% fact. <laughs> All right. Josh Newberg is currently practicing veganism. He is currently a vegan. 
Uh, Newberg. I listened to him on his podcast, The Big Three Roll, which I know you hate people mentioning. Sorry, I just did it right now. And there's talk. There's talk of fish. There's talk of crab. There's talk of there's talk of meats. There's food takes. So I'm going to say Newberg. I think he still eats. Uh, he still eats meat, although he looks like a vegan for sure. Well, let's stay in the meat. I'm, I'm jumping. I'm jumping around a little bit, but let's stay in the meat. The meat section. Back to Newberg. Okay. Josh Newberg has never actually eaten a chicken tender pub sub. Man, I'm going to have to say Newberg because if he has such a strong take about it, how much they suck without ever eating it, that's outrageous. So I've got to go Newberg. Would you be surprised though? Mm -hmm. All right. I love, and I don't say this, uh, I actually quite enjoy Josh. I think he's very fun to talk to. And I think he's a nice you shut guy. Shut your mouth. But however, with that being said, nothing that you could say about Josh would surprise me. <laughs> All right, let's see if this one surprises you. Factor Newberg. Josh Newberg often starts his morning by watching Fox News. I'm going to say fact only because I've had a bunch of Newbergs in a row. And I do feel that Josh, while he probably doesn't agree with the views, I feel like he wants to have something to compare it to, or maybe he's just used to having it on in the background, but I'm going to say that's a fact. Okay. All right. Last one here. Fact or Newberg. Josh Newberg is growing his hair out as a form of protest until FSU signs a high school quarterback recruit. That's a fact. I know that one. All right. All right. I'll give you that one. I I need to get to five and I only could think of four right before we started recording. (laughs) So that was a lazy one. Not a, not a problem. Not a problem. That is it. That is a fact. And the other four will be revealed on next week's episode of the roll cast. All right, dude. If you like, you don't have to. No, no, you you should definitely listen because it's going to be fun. We're going to have me on and talk about, you know, neuroses, I think, a little bit more. Uh, It's going to be fun. So I'm going to one. Well, you know, do you know what my catchphrase is by any chance, Trey? I I feel that you like to channel your inner Carrie Strug and try to stick the landing. uh, (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes successful, sometimes not. But the effort is always consistent. I'm going to, as you have any guess, I wanted, I'm going to say thank you. And I'm going to let you stick the landing here. Go for it. Send us, send us off into the Brendan Sinone, This is Trey Roland of the Rollcast. Thank you for your patronage. Thank you for your listening. This is Vic, the On the Bench podcast presented by Noel 24-7. Brendan can't say it, so I will. Go to Apple. Go to iTunes. Hit that little five-star button because you know you feel that way. Subscribe, retweet, listen, share with your friends, share with your grandparents, share with your enemies, share it along. Thank you for your time. This has been us, and we are out. And see. Woo-hoo! Not bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>